Coming up, secret rooms, hidden tombs, and gothic doom. Also, how not to use a jackhammer, Satan in the news, and sexy 12-year-olds. All this and more on this pubescent episode of Kiss the Goat. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. And this is Kiss, Kiss the, the Goat. <laughs> <laughs> this circle is closed. Nothing is true and everything is permissible. This is episode 18 of Kiss the Goat and welcome to it. First of all, everyone, please acknowledge the help and guidance of our patron, St. John Carradine. I train. Night train to the end Running hard and running fast To meet my future and away from my past Taking the gamble that cannot last Night train to the end Bless our Bless show, St. John Amen. Amen. This time on Kiss the Goat, we're headed back to Italy. Mother Roma. Bellissimo. Yes, have some. <laughs> we'll be covering one of our favorite movies, La Tessa, otherwise known as The Church, otherwise known as Demons 3. Which is hilarious because it's not anything close to a Demons movie, but we'll get into that in a bit. Got a great cast, a great crew, and it's a lot of fun. So we're going to have some fun with it, too. Particularly because we've been drinking. Stay with us. We'll be right back with the news. Banana Laser is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazelle, I think we should record a new ad for Banana Laser. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Banana Laser Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man, I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, uh, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? 
Yeah, and the ads should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, hold on. We can talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Laser is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. Banana Laser wins every time. 72 movies that shocked a nation and made an infamous list the video nasties. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish, and you can join me and my co-host, Andy Blockley. Hello, hello. As we chat about the 72 films, reviewing them all from the video nasty list, live on our podcast. Tell them about it, Andy. Okay, 1982, 20,000 films were seized in London alone because they were too nasty to be watched. Come and find out why. That's right. The show's called Doing the Nasty Podcast. You can find it exclusively on the Horror Philia Network of podcast. Come and check us out. Hi, I'm Steven Seagal. That's right, Steven Seagal. And for the past 40 years, in between barbecuing oxen and roasting boar for my insatiable appetite, I never miss an episode of Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid Commentaries. Ain't that right, Johnny? Hi, I'm Dr. Action. Hi, and I'm the Kick-Ass Kid. When I'm not watching action films, I'm usually polishing my gun while looking at a bat. And when I'm not watching action films, I'm normally outside with a harpoon killing puppies. But usually, you can find us both watching 80s, 90s action films. You could follow us on Twitter, Dr. Action Kick-Ass. You can find us on our main page, which is dractionkickass.blogspot.com. You can also find us on iTunes and TalkShoe. Yes, every week we do a commentary on an 80s and 90s action classic, and where we can, we also provide the film so that you can watch along with it. This podcast explodes. Hey, where's that baby mama at? I gotta tell you somebody. Return we have. Seeing as how the main character in the church really is the church itself, we thought it would be fun to look around the world and see if there were any stories about creepy cathedrals or haunted houses of worship. Hold on to your sacraments. It's time for Satan in the News. is the Lucidio Monastery in Italy. We've got an Italian theme going tonight. Antipasto! Vespa! Ah. The story here is that some monks who have lost their faith in God use the church as a place to molest children, torture people, murder them, and perform strange and savage rituals. Well, that makes sense. I mean, most hotels won't let you do that shit in the room that are deposit up front. A church is free, right? <laughs> right. Well, there's a place in the building called the Judgment Room where a pillar randomly becomes moist. Yeah, my pillar randomly... Never mind. 
<laughs> the townspeople call it the crying column, and people claim that it weeps because of all the terrible things it has seen. And in another section of the church, a strange fog appears for no reason that anyone has been able to explain. Have they checked inside the walls for a journal and a giant cross made of gold? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. Hey, let's jump back stateside and take a look at St. Rita's in Chicago. Now, the legend says that on one All Souls Day in the early 1960s, about a dozen people showed up for prayer, and then the organ began to play by itself. This is not standard Catholic behavior. No, it is not. And then six robed monks appeared. Now, three of them wore black and three of them wore white. Some of the parishioners tried to get the hell out of that church, but the doors were locked. So after about two minutes of ghostly organ music and creepy, discorporated monks, they heard a voice whisper, pray for us. Definitely weird, but I'm not sure if that counts as a haunting or as a religious vision. I mean, it could have had something to do with racial unrest in the country at the time. Or it could have had something to do with chess. I mean, any kind <laughs> of yin-yang thing, there's no way of knowing, really. From the Midwest to the South we go, as we discover hell in Georgia. Hell's Church, to be precise, located in Old Canton, down in Cherokee County. It's out in the middle of nowhere, down about a half mile of a one-way road. There you will find a one-room white church across from a cemetery filled with headstones from the 1800s. Now, legend has it, a boy was found mutilated there in a cult-like killing, and now it's a hot spot for Satanists and such. It's not really a haunting per se, but still spooky in its own right. And you have to imagine that the boy's ghost probably hangs out in the place. And the old graveyard is always a hot spot for ghostish activities. Ghostish? It's a word now. Well, let's end this trip of haunted holy places in our own backyard. Yeah, this is in Oak Ridge, which is only about half an hour away from us. Our favorite used bookstore is there, and they've got a really nice Asian buffet. And they got a haunted church. It's called the Wheat Community Church. And this story is nice and lurid. It was never a very popular church, and even while it was open to the general public back in the 1940s, attendance was low. So the minister allegedly went insane and he hung himself from the bell tower so the story says if you drive past the old church on halloween night well of course you can see the rope swinging from the bell tower with blood dripping off of it <laughs> well you can't do that anymore the land was taken over by the government for the manhattan project however the building is the only building left standing in the community of wheat Everything is closed off except for a greenway trail that is maintained by the U.S. Department of Energy. None of these things discount the story, though. I mean, one building left in a once burgeoning community, and now it's protected by the government? What is in that building? Missile silo? Alien technology? <gasps> Radioactive Baptist ghosts. An entire control center run by rogue soldiers to hold an airport hostage like in Die Hard 2? Uh, no, that makes no sense. It's the government, though. Governments are all <laughs> shadowy, and they do strange things that the general population doesn't know about. 
what if they're harnessing some kind of power from the other side through a portal being held open by the ghost of the minister who hung himself in the bell tower? Yeah, that's going to do it for Satan in the News, the Haunted Church edition. And what if the ghost doesn't want to be there and he's got this spectral light shooting out of his eyes and his mouth and the soldiers are all, ha, 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 we've got, we've got you <laughs> yeah. now. We'll be back and after this break. all the angry spirits of his congregation will come ripping through the portal, hungry for souls. You may know him as John Cross from the podcast from the After Movie Diner, or you may not know him at all. But now you can know him as Miscellaneous Plumbing Fixtures with the release of his new album, Catch Up or Don't See If I Care. Available now on Bandcamp, iTunes, Amazon, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever music is found. A full 16 new folk blues and rock tracks from this bearded singer-songwriter. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and at aftermoviediner.com. For links to the album and to learn more, go to miscplumbingfixtures.blogspot.com or miscplumbingfixtures.bandcamp.com. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities? Then you've got the wrong show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com
And then finally, the church explodes, and there's wood and fire and the bodies of soldiers everywhere, and angry ghosts come flying out of the rubble, and they invade the city of Oak Ridge, flying through walls and the doors of moving cars until it's nothing but chaos and vengeance from beyond. Are you, are you finished? Can we go on now? Huh? Well, yeah. Yeah. That was Satan in the... I did that already. We're way past that. Okay, so you... Yeah. And we did the... Yep. (sighs) All right, then. All right. Well, then, you just heard the preview for 1989's The Church, also known as Cathedral of Demons. Also known as Demon Cathedral. (laughs) There there was also a strange and misguided attempt to wedge this into the Demons series of films, even though there's nothing that connects this film with those movies at all. Well, sequels and name only happen all the time. Like Dirty Dancing, Havana Nights, for example. American Psycho 2. Speed 2. Return of the Jedi. Hey. That's a legit sequel. Mm, Nothing with Ewoks is legit. Well, the church has Dario Argento's name all over it, but he's not the director. Argento is the co-producer. He also co-wrote the script, but the director is Michaela Suave, who served as Argento's second assistant director on Argento's classic giallo, Tenebre. Now, a lot of familiar names had their hands in the script. Argento, as we mentioned, Suave himself... Dardano Sacchetti, best known for his work with Lucio Fulci. Franco Farini, who worked with Argento on some of his latter-day films that didn't suck. And Fabrizio and Lamberto Bava, the latter, of course, being the director of the first two Demons films, and also the fifth Demons film, if I'm not mistaken. Now, usually with this many people trying to tell you a story, you get a terrible script. But I think The Church is not a terrible script. In fact, it's a lot better constructed and linear, more linear than you usually get from a screenplay put together by committee like this one is. Right. Well, the movie starts during the time of the Crusades, you know, when it was fashionable to hold long, drawn-out, reasonable discussions with those who didn't hold to the same belief system as you just before killing them outright. Amen! This time, the Knights Templar have happened upon a quiet little village rumored to be filled with witches. Of course, there's slaughtering and chases on horseback and an actual POV shot of a crusader chasing a woman down. And we see it through the cross-shaped face guard on his helmet. It's shot in the amazing cinematic triumph of christ vision <laughs> and they feel justified in killing all of the people, including the itty-bitty babies, because they find an upside-down cross on the bottom of the left foot of one of the victims. I mean, how much more unholy can you get? They even kill a little girl who looks a lot like 10-year-old Asia Argento. Well, it is 10-year-old Asia Argento, or maybe 12-year-old Asia Argento. Well, swords and glory, everybody dead, and all the horrible not-Jesus lovers get dumped together into a mass grave and covered with lime because fuck those people. 
Yeah. Well, fuck them twice because <laughs> then they get covered with concrete and a giant cross is placed over it to make sure the evil does not escape. Well, that's once, twice, three times a fuck you because then they build a church <laughs> over the whole fucking thing. Now, this is like not liking fruit and then getting killed by getting run over by a fruit stand and then being buried in an orange grove. That is a fuck ton of fuck you. <laughs> right. So let's shoot to the present day where the church that was built over the village of witches is undergoing renovations. The frescoes are being restored and part of the building is covered in plastic and lit by giant utility lights and also guarded by fences with spikes on top. Uh, they've even got a new librarian coming in to help catalog their tremendous wealth of old tomes and codex. His name is Evan, and he's played by Tomas Arana, and he reminds me of a giant flesh-eating toad. He's just He's pale, he's sallow, he may as well be wearing a t-shirt that says, Want some candy, little girl? He's, there's a tremendous aura of sleaze just dripping from his greasy hair and his ugly suit. So he instantly hits on the head art restorer person, Lisa, played by Barbara Kupisti, and you hate to think of such a cute little pixie of a woman hooking up with a gross turd burglar like Evan, but you know what's going to happen. <laughs> turd burglar. Well, the rest of the crew at the cathedral is just as strange and dysfunctional as the new librarian. Um, the bishop is seriously about 200 years old, and he has eyebrows like electrocuted birds. For real. Um, the reverend is played by Giovanni Lombardo Radici, and he is a combative and conniving weasel. Uh, Herman, the sacristan, has a dull shrike for a wife, a boring job, and a daughter, Lottie, who looks like a 12-year-old Asia Argento. She is a 12-year-old Asia um, Argento. Oh, well, that explains it. <laughs> uh, Lottie sneaks out at night and goes to clubs, much to her father's chagrin. The only person who is halfway normal is Father Gus, who is played by Hugh Quarshie, if I said his name correctly. Um, he doesn't know Latin, which seems odd for a priest, but he loves archery. Now, this is the same actor, by the way, who played Captain Panaka in The Phantom Menace. Apparently, he makes a career of being the only cool person in an entire film. Lotte has learned all the secret tunnels and passages in the church. That's how she sneaks out at night, through the basement, over the moat, across the subway tracks, past the snowy peaks of Elf Ridge, past the dragons of Franticula, through the shadowy <laughs> caves of Cholesterol Gorge, and finally defeating the blind axemen of Tarragon 9 before emerging victorious in a German discotheque, grinding the nights away with men twice her age. Yeah, sounds like a good Saturday night to me. Fuck yes! And this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Teenagers will be teenagers. And that's fine, but her father certainly thinks she's a dirty girl. So much so that at one point, when he can smell cigarettes on her breath, he washes her mouth out with a terribly vicious green soap. It looks like the drool the monsters from the Demons movies have. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe that's the connection. Maybe that's why this is Demons 3. Mm, probably not. Yeah, probably not. 
Workers in the basement are using a pneumatic hammer to drill through the floor, in the, and it makes the fragile walls crack. So while testing a patch to see if the walls can be fixed, Lisa finds a parchment inside the old concrete. Now Lisa wants to show it to the bishop, but Evan wants to look at it first. He thinks he can solve the code that it's written in. Well, but first, Nookie. Uh, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Evan goes home with Lisa. Now she takes a shower. He studies the parchment. <laughs> That's not a euphemism. Evan starts talking about the things that could potentially be buried underneath European cathedrals. Old alchemical discoveries, things that could make a man a superman. Evan could use that. Um, he can't even get Lisa to close her eyes while kissing him. And again, he's not really into it either. I mean, he realizes that the parchment is written backwards, and he leaves a perfectly good naked woman in bed to find a reflective surface and reread the parchment. So now that he can read it in the mirror, the code says something about the stone with seven eyes. And he realizes that there is something in the church, and it's inside the tomb of the builder, which is in the basement. So he bails on her and goes back to the church to investigate. Now, are we supposed to feel badly for him? No wonder he never gets any. He'd rather get dirty in a church basement than get nasty in the bedroom. <laughs> well, things are already starting to get weird at the Church of St. Freaky. Um, <laughs> Father Gus sees the ghost of a knight on his horse running directly towards him while he's practicing archery. Lisa hears the ghost, too. Invisible hooves running towards her face. Evan discovers an engraving on the floor which reads, in Latin, That which has been entrusted to you, keep safe. So he instantly goes about making things unsafe by following a dark tunnel down to where the tomb of the villagers lies under its concrete lid. Now right on top, like a lock, is a stone with seven eyes. More like a goat head with seven eyes, which is also cool. But Badass. the giant cross falls away into the earth and the evil power of the witches comes up with smoke and blue light and Evan is now infected with evil and hallucinations begin. Like the burlap bag filled with hands that choke him and mm -hmm. like the cross falling into the pit to begin with because the floor is still solid. So Evan hears someone coming and he hides. It's Lottie, of course, going out for another night of partying, but this time her father is following her. Now, Herman hears Evan and thinks it's Lottie. Evan, who is always awkward in social situations, hits Herman in the face, knocking him out. Evil is often abstract in Italian movies, and none more so than the church. Consider the scene where Evan tears his own heart out. It's still beating. And he lifts it up to the sky like the baboon presenting Simba to the other animals of the jungle and the Lion King. And all of his other internal organs should bow down in subservience. <laughs> There's also some weird monster that tries to, kills, tries to kill Lisa in her own home. And even Herman, Lotte's father, is starting to get a little weird. He's kind of pale and sweaty, kind of freaking everybody out. Yeah. Well, the church is a bit of a tourist attraction. 
there's a field trip going on with children and their teacher. They're all there investigating the church. Um, one of the bright boys in the class mentions the fact that some of these cathedrals were designed to self-destruct with the removal of one stone or the push of a button. There's also a fighting couple on their way to a concert, an old couple who can't figure out how to work the telephone, and a woman modeling a wedding dress for photographers. A collection of folks, but really no different than the mix of people in the theater in the first Demons movie. Hey, maybe that's the connection. Maybe that's what makes this Demons 3. Um, yeah, probably not. Yeah, probably not. Latte is being punished by her father, Harmon, the sacristan. I don't even know what that is. What is that at a church? I guess he's the guy who uh, puts more wafers in the bowl. I don't know. Regar- he's the butler. Is he... <laughs> He's the holy butler. He likes to keep things tidy. Okay, that's he's always been the caretaker. Um, yeah. Anyway, while she's being punished by him, she catches a glimpse of him in the mirror, and he looks like a monkey devil. Straight up monkey devil. Yeah. So now the stage is set for the shit to hit the gothic fan. And it's Herman that sets it in motion. He tells Gus during confession that he is now the servant of evil. He runs into the basement, scratching a guy along the way, and proceeds to throw himself onto the jackhammer that the restoration workers were using. This is not how to use a jackhammer. By the time Gus can get to him to turn off the thing, the jackhammer looks like a spear at a Brazilian steakhouse. It's covered with Herman's liver and sweetbreads and intestines. Now, these vibrations from the jackhammer break this liquid-filled glass globe in the basement, and that sets off this tremendous Rube Goldberg-type effect within the building. The liquid flows into a cup that's set in a fulcrum. The fulcrum lowers. Sand comes down to balance out the weight, but the weight tips, and an ancient set of gears goes into motion, and the front doors of the church begin to shut. The Latin-inscribed stone in the floor flips over to reveal a hidden message, also in Latin, because Cathols. Cathols. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doors catch the wedding dress the model is wearing, and she is stuck in the doors, and everyone is stuck there because the church has closed itself off, and that door, where the bridal model is, is the only way out. Uh, everyone starts to begin to feel the effects of the evil that lives in the basement. And this is when the movie begins relying on visual storytelling and moving away from what you and I think of as logic. Um, The guy who got scratched by Herman gets attacked by a giant demon fish that leaps at him from a fount of holy water. Uh, The school children get increasingly more mischievous, hiding their teacher's glasses and smoking in the sanctuary. (laughs) Evan manifests himself as a giant winged demon, screwing the motorcycle kid's girlfriend. The evil brings Herman back to life, and he impels the teacher with one of those fence sections with the pointy tops. And the old couple decides to go upstairs to ring the bells. The motorcycle couple decides to go downstairs and explore the tunnels to maybe get out that way. These are both bad ideas. 
<laughs> Even the old bishop is affected. He knows what's going on. The architect devised the mechanism to shut the church off from the outside world to keep the evil inside. And the place where you touch to make the church self-destruct is located inside the mouth of the architect, who is entombed somewhere in the church. So we have some puzzle elements going on here. Not unlike an Indiana Jones film or a Tomb Raider game. Now, when Latte gets back to the church, she can hear the church bells ringing because the old woman has somehow cut off her husband's head and is banging <laughs> it against the bell like a gong. Apparently, just... yeah, he's he's dirty, sweet, and that's his girl. I don't know, but anyway. She was very jubilant about it, too. Bang She's a gong. Happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, the motorcycle couple doesn't end up much better either. Um, they get lost in the tunnels, but find a secret passage, sort of. Sort of. Uh, yeah, she falls through the floor, which is like finding a passage, but it's not even really a passage. It's the tracks to the subway. So she falls through it and immediately gets squished on the windscreen of the train. <laughs> and literally, it's, yeah. it's like somebody just threw like eight bowls of oatmeal at a train. It's horrible. Oh, it's beautiful. It's nasty. Yeah. It's so good. Um, <laughs> things deteriorate from here, but not in a bad way as far as the movie goes. I mean, shit keeps getting weirder and weirder, and each sequence becomes a set piece, and they're all very memorable in their own way. Yeah, and one of our favorites, of course, is the scene when Lisa, the main film, female lead, goes downstairs completely naked. She's in some kind of trance, and she winds up in a room with lit candles and a stone altar that she lies down on. Somebody starts painting arcane symbols on her body in blood, and she's surrounded by some dead people, and Evan is there, and there's some folks we've never even seen before. Kind of a motley collection of the living and the dead, the horny and the horned. Evan rolls up on her to start having sex with her, and he turns into a giant demonic goat. Now, did we like that? Of course we liked that! <laughs> I mean, you can kiss the goat all you want, but that's just foreplay. Right? You don't often get to see the great horned one get as sexy and on. And we aren't even at the end of the movie yet. <laughs> nope. And we're not going to get there because we have made a conscious choice not to spoil the church from hell to breakfast. Yep. Doesn't happen often, but we're going to make you work for it. We like this movie so much, we really think you should see it for yourselves. Still, when we come back, we'll play three questions. We'll do some drinking, some more drinking, and we'll answer your questions on Ask the Goat. We shall return like Buckaroo Banzai in Against the World Crime League. <laughs> My name is Mike. You may know me from the Evil Episodes podcast, where we talk about all that's good and bad on horror television. But I watch a lot of movies, too, and you can hear me and my panel of guests talk about these on the Not So Evil Episodes sidecast. My name is Doug. You may know me from the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Every month, we choose a theme that allows us to talk about some movies that don't always get the love or receiving hatred they deserve. My name is Iris. You may know me from the Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts podcast. Whether we're defending a movie we love or ripping apart a movie we hate, you can always expect some spirited and passionate discussion about movies on the Not So Evil episode podcast. 
My name is X. You may know me from the Kiss the Goat podcast. Join us once a month for unpredictable, not safe for work discussion about some of the best and worst movies ever made. There's not often a fight, but sometimes there is. That's the Not So Evil episode sidecast, turning movies inside out for your listening pleasure. You can find us on the Horror Philly Network, the Legion Network, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Hey, Cherish. It's 8 o'clock. Is it time to get the show on the screen or what? Do you enjoy watching films with friends? Do you like to consume vats of alcohol? It's the 40s and some bitches, babe. Yeah. Me? I like beer. If you like all that and none of those artsy-fartsy films... Does this mean we don't get to go to the Fellini Festival? Fuck the Fellini Festival! Then watch and listen to Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. Every Wednesday, myself and a rotating panel of the filthiest podcasters I can muster up give you our comments, observations, and sometimes we might actually talk about the film as we class up some of your favorite films the only way we know how. As raunchy as we can. <laughs> What's this movie, PG? Oh, yeah. This podcast sure is fucking. Not only do you get the audio, but the video that goes with it. Just listen to the shit that comes out of these filthy pirates. <laughs> you don't need to get an erection when your cock's full of rigor mortis. <laughs> fucking curb stomp a baby for a bacon <laughs> I think the moral of the story is don't let Corky run Cerebro. Unforgivable. If you could stand all that. Come and get your fill and your fix of Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. All the cool kids are doing it. Two Drink Minimum Commentaries is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites, as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under the Stairs, signing off. Welcome back to Kiss the Goat. It's time for America's favorite game of speed and precision. Three questions. Three questions! And our first question is, is this truly a devil movie? I, you know, I gotta say yeah. I would say yeah. I would say yes, just because shit fucking Baphomet gets his groove on. I mean... <laughs> You don't often see the great goat head get freaky with an Italian girl, so... Yeah, dude, there's so many classic so elements here of of a devil movie. Yeah, you've got fucking witches being killed, you've got a fucking Catholic church, you've got people being trapped in it and possessed by demons. It's awesome. This movie is so good. <laughs> this movie is so good. Okay, anyway... Uh, question number two. How many horns high would you give the church on a scale of one to six, six, six? 
I give this one a straight up six horn. Yeah, man. Me too. Yep. This is the first movie that's gotten six horns from both of us. Really? This is the first movie I think that's ever gotten six horns. Well, there you go, people. This is the most highly rated film ever on Kiss the Goat. That we've done so far, I'm amazed it took us 18 episodes to get to it. (laughs) Yeah, man. This movie is the shit. We love this movie. All right, finally. Why should our listeners watch the church, or should they? Fuck yes, watch the church. Fuck yes! Yes. In fact, if you haven't seen it yet, stop what you're doing. Like, don't even listen to the rest of this Mm. podcast. Go watch the fucking church. There's a great Anchor Bay version of the church available on DVD. Um, I don't think it's on blue yet in region one. It may be in other places. It doesn't matter. It's not hard to find if you quote, know where to look and quote, um, meaning email us, (laughs) (laughs) but seriously, man, I mean, this movie is, this is one of my favorite devil movies. So my this is one of my favorite movies as far as Italian horror goes. This is probably my top three. So yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely watch this movie. It is so good. It's coherent. It's linear. It makes sense. And when it's done, you're like, okay, that was an actual movie. It's not like a lot of Italian horror flicks where when it's finished, you're like, I didn't get that last ten minutes at all. What the fuck happened? <laughs> Doesn't happen in this movie. This movie is straight up just good. So, yeah. Oh, and it's beautiful, too. I mean, to watch it, it's gorgeous. I mean, everything you would hope for from an Italian horror film and more. Remember, Michele Suave was Argento's second assistant director on Tenebrae. And Tenebrae is my favorite Argento movie. Um, The structure visually and the composition visually of this movie is outstanding. He takes full of, he takes full advantage of the garth the garthic garthic like fucking <laughs> party on garthic Jesus fuck rope in the wind garthic <laughs> <laughs> Oh Mama's in the graveyard. Daddy's in the yeah. church. Um, right. Anyway, yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's just a really well-made film, and it has points that are really, um, they're it's really scary. There's a lot of yep. shadow and light interplay, which is what really freaks me out. So yeah, this movie, I I can't recommend it highly enough. Obviously, six horns high. Of course, now, as we've mentioned, I mean, a few times, The Church is an Italian movie, so some lapses in logic are to be expected. But that's nothing that a little Italian wine won't fix. In fact, in an interview, director Michele Suave uh, referred to most Italian horror as, quote, pizza schlock. (laughs) I'm not even sure what that means, end quote. I like it. I like it, though. So you know what? Fuck it. Grab a slice and a jug of or or five of wine and let's play Drinking with the Devil. Where your love for movies meets your disdain for your own liver. Nice. 
All right. So drink. Every time the old bishop's eyebrows look like they're going to attack somebody like Salacious Crumb in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Goddamn Ewoks. Drink. Every time Father Gus yells at Jesus. Which happens a lot. It does. <laughs> Drink every time the music doesn't match the mood of the scene. Now look, we've got this soundtrack. We've got Keith Emerson, Philip Glass, and Goblin. So, And also Fabio Pignatelli. So it is just a wreck. It is everywhere. All over the place. Yeah. None of it makes any sense. Um... <laughs> Drink every time you almost see Lisa's lady bits. Oh, her lovely lady lumps. Ah, that sounds like that sounds like polyps. I don't want to see <laughs> that. Anyway, finally, our grandmaster challenge: drink every time it looks like Ozia Argento is about to get raped. That's harsh. Yeah, but it'll get you there for damn sure. Anyway, please remember that we here at Kiss the Goat do not condone or promote alcohol abuse. Or underage drinking, but they've, they've always, always worked for worked us. For us. <laughs> All right. It's time to dive into the minds of our listeners and find out what they want to know. Arr. It's time for Ask the Goat, where we answer your questions regardless of what they're about. I'll send you a love letter. Straight from my heart, fucker. You know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker. You receive a love letter from me, you're fucked forever. We do get a little bit TMI in this section, don't we? Yeah, sometimes. It doesn't matter, though. It's a lot of fun. So while I am rummaging about in the malevolent mailbag... Rummage, rummage, rummage. X is going to tell you how to get in touch with us so you can send us your questions. Yes, even you. The easiest way is to hang out at our Facebook group page. That's at facebook.com slash groups slash kiss the goat. Now, Cootie and I hang out there on the regular, and when we're ready for questions, we'll let you know. But you can also send a question to our evil email address, which is thegoatofmadness at gmail.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter. You'll get a lot more than Kiss the Goat stuff by doing that, and you'll probably find yourself wishing that I would stop talking about professional wrestling, but I don't know why you would want that. Anyway, find me... At Jeffrey X. Martin on the Twitters. Tell me you're a fan of the show, and I'll follow you back. Cootie, who's our first contestant today on Ask the Goat? Joseph Nance draws first blood with this question. At any point, do you intend to review Birdemic, Shock and Terror? Oh, fuck. <laughs> he follows that up with, if I've asked this before, then change it to Birdemic 2, The Resurrection. Jesus. That's not even... Is that a devil Are those... No. Those are not devil movies. Those are just... That is like Duck Hunt, the film. <laughs> yeah, but Joseph knows us, and he knows that it we does. are um, partial to whim, and uh, occasionally <laughs> might throw something out there. Um, Joseph, my dear, I have absolutely no intention of ever watching Birdemic again, much less doing a podcast on it. It's so. a horrible film. It's horrible. Oh, Jesus. But, yeah. but having said that, we have not seen Birdemic 2 yet, so maybe it's an improvement? No. No? No. No. It's, okay. No. Cootie, Cootie, hey, Cootie says no. I gotta go no on that. <laughs> um, oh, Christ. The first Birdemic was just it hurt. It hurt. 
It hurt me in my balls, and I don't want to watch it again. It hurt me in my balls, and I don't even have a pair this lifetime. There, there you go. So, Anyway, hey, next question. Jason White asks, and this is a good question, why are satanic movies or the Satanists or Satan when in the end so freaking cool? I ask this because I saw Race with the Devil on TV when I was a kid and have since been hooked on cult and slash or satanic movies. So the question is, how come it is that when the Satanists win, that's awesome? Because we get so fucking tired of Prince Charming riding in on his white horse and saving the day. Yeah, that, yeah. that is exactly it. The fact that the bad guys win, first of all, that's a, that's a very 70s um, trope. So Jason has obviously watched a lot of 70s movies where the bad guys win and there's no hope for goodness. And really, the, the last time we've seen that in a modern film that really made an impact was No Country for Old Men. Um, but it's that same kind of vibe. It's that same kind of 70s vibe. Um I think it's awesome just because it's such a twist on the general um, way that movies go, where you have to have that Hollywood happy ending. I mean, you're talking about Race with the Devil. In a lot of ways, Race with the Devil is a Western. Mm-hmm. And the fact that in that Western, the good guys win, it's such a twist. I mean, imagine what would have happened if the good guys had won in High Noon or Rio Bravo, or Once Upon a Time in the West, where that's, you know, debatable whether or not a good guy won or not. But, (laughs) um, yeah, it's a twist because you, Jason White, your brain is correct, and you're you're thinking right, and you're thinking this is not a black and white world, and this universe is gray, and shit happens. So that's why. Also, you know why else? Cloaks. Cloaks. <laughs> cloaks are awesome. And if you can pull off wearing a cloak, you've done you've done a thing. So yeah. I look pretty hot in a cloak. You do look hot. Oh my god, you do look hot in a cloak. <laughs> there you go, Jason. There you Your go, brain man. is correct. Your brain is correct. <laughs> All right, so Lisa Ann Carrillo has a question for me, actually. She says, this question is for Cootie. As a kid, did you always get picked on to be the Cootie? Ha ha. I don't even know what that means, did I get picked to be the Cootie. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm sure I was given Cooties once or twice as, as a kid in grade school. Did you make um, a Cootie catcher? I have made several cootie catches. Did you actually. catch yourself? <laughs> no, I'm still working on that part. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. Well, no. Anyway, my, my nickname was given to me by X. I have pictures um, that say different. Anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> How many years ago did you give me that nickname? Oh my now God. it's been like, it's eight, like eight years I ago. Think. Yeah. Yeah, we first started talking. Um, I, I have this knack, it seems, for um, cutting away the bullshit and <laughs> nailing conversations down to the brass tacks of things. And um, during one such conversation with a few of our friends, he called me Cootie Bug, and it kind of stuck. 
And so sometimes he still calls me Cootie Bug, and sometimes it's just Cootie. But it's very rarely your real name. Which is interesting because I think a lot of people, unless I mean, unless you follow me on Twitters and you know Twitters and you know my <laughs> and you know what my real name is, most people forget what our real names are. I mean, literally, our friends know us as X and Cootie. Mm-hmm. So it's not some kind of weird bullshit just for the podcast. That's really what what people call us. That's what yeah. people call us, yeah. My my mom calls my calls her Cootie. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think she even remembers what her real name is. So, and that's cool. I mean, we're good with that. Yep. All right. Uh, next up, Duncan McLeish wants to know who our favorite killer in an Argento movie is. Ow, Jesus! Ask me to fucking pick my favorite puppy out of a litter. <laughs> My favorite is the author from um, Tenebrae. My, what is his name? Uh, O'Neill. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's just like Peter. Peter O'Neill. Peter O'Neill. Yeah, he's totally fucking traumatized, and he takes advantage of the situation to um, kind of get his revenge, and then he's even more fucking traumatized at the end of the movie. Yeah. I love his character. I do too. Love it. I do too, and he is also my favorite killer. But I got to say this. My favorite weapon in an Argento movie is in Trauma, where the Black Love Killer actually has a small motorized winch. So it's like he can loop it around your neck and turn it on, and it will just cut off someone's head automatically. Oh, dude, yeah. That is amazing. So That's fucked so up. So if Peter O'Neill had had that weapon in Tenebrae, there would never be another better movie made. <laughs> that would have been the ultimate. We would, just, we would have just quit. The entire filmmaking industry would have shut down and just said, oh, fuck, we can't top that. We're done. We're done. <laughs> Shit. That would have been it. But yeah, both of our favorite killers has to be Peter O'Neill from Tenebrae. All right. Well, our benevolent overlord, Jason Lloyd, asks, how did y'all enjoy Fifty Shades of Grey? (laughs) To which Sin Fallon adds, any volunteers? Because my sadistic side is wanting to brutalize your submissive side. I haven't read, nor have I watched, Fifty Shades of Grey. But I actually have been following the discussions um, with quite a bit of interest on social media. I've read the articles. I've you know read comments and people talking about it because I have an interest in BDSM. Um, I've been in a relationship in the past where I was a submissive. Um, that relationship went really badly, obviously, because I'm not in that anymore. Um, the person who was the the top abused that, um, carried it over into other aspects of our relationship and tried to exert that authority in areas that he didn't have a right to do um, over my life. So I, I still have an interest in that because um, there is a part of me that still kind of gets that thrill and is still interested um, in that very fine line between pleasure and pain and how the two kind of blend together. Um, so from just a 
psychological and philosophical aspect. I'm really, really interested in it. And I'm reading the comments and reading the feedback. But um, from what I've heard, the book and the movie do really, really poorly in portraying that community and that lifestyle. So honestly, I don't have any interest in, in watching it or reading it either one, but I like the dialogue that it's created. So having said that, let me just say that I have um, built my own flail. (laughs) So, uh, so there you go. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, you know, from for a book that started off as Twilight fan fiction, and now it's a trilogy and it's a big hit movie, and the original author now is demanding script control for the next two flicks. Um, I think there are a lot of control issues that she has yet to explore. Um, so. I don't know. Fifty Shades of Grey, I think I I think that I think that even Fifty Shades of Grey ends up being vanilla towards what people who are really into that lifestyle do. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's kind of a misrepresentation. And this is from what I could tell. Again, I haven't read the book, I haven't read the film, I haven't read the film. Oh Jesus. How drunk am I? <laughs> it's not even six o'clock. Um <laughs> but I think there's a lot of misrepresenting going on um, mm-hmm. with with that because as far as my interest is in, in BDSM goes, there's some stuff that I've read about that exists within those stories that is just ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. That's just stupid. I mean, that whole, I'm going to take out her tampon and throw it in the toilet and fuck her anyway... That's stupid. You never throw a tampon in the toilet. <laughs> Everybody knows this. So there you go, boys and girls. There you go. I mean, that's just that's just common sense. You don't do that. Um, I think if there are, I understand the the shades of gray pun because his name is Christian gray, whatever. Um, but right. But I'm pretty sure that there are shades of black that Cootie and I have gone into that would never make it into a Hollywood film. And I'd like to keep it that way. There, there. I agree. Finally, Chuck Knight has a couple of questions for us. He says, a virgin. What? He is a virgin. He is a virgin. Yes, long time listener, first time caller. Um, (laughs) Finally, Chuck Knight has a couple of questions for us. He says, greetings, Cootie and X. I found your podcast listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. I truly enjoy your show. (laughs) That's Duncan's show. See, Chuck listens to Duncan. You should too. Hell yes. Chuck continues, I have two questions. Number one, in episode 16, you referenced the news story regarding the stupid, idiotic woman complaining about the (gasps) pentagram in the school bus light. I live very near to Cordova, and I was wondering where y'all live. 
I promise I will not stalk you if you tell me. <laughs> Chuck, we live in Knoxville. Yep. So very close to Cordova. Right outside of downtown, but we are in Knox County. Um, so, yeah, we're close, dude. I mean, shit. We're not. Look us up. Yeah, look us up. We're not. Av- have a drink. We're not averse to sure. visits. I mean, shit. Come down one night. We'll have some drinks. We'll watch some Argento. We'll be good to go. Um, Anyway, um, his second question is this. Of all the movies you have watched, please give one that is so utterly bad that you curse the film on which it was recorded, and one film which is so worth watching that you would like to find the original print and gold-plate it. Thank you and hail Satan. Good question, Chuck. Yes. Um, my hatred for this movie is well documented, and I hate to sound like a broken record, oh, but Jeepers Creepers can die in a fire. <laughs> um, you don't like Cicada Monsters, baby? Nope. Quite angry at that movie. Um, actually, there was a movie. Was it called Cicada? What? No, the, movie the beast where the guy within. Morphs, the beast within. The thing, that movie. That movie was fucking awesome. That's from the eighties. It's the beast within with Ronnie Cox and BB Besh. Yeah. Yes, that that cicada movie was awesome. Yeah. Um, I even liked Mimic, where they look like giant cockroaches in the subways. Oh my fucking god, that movie was yeah. great. That's Gamer. Well, it's Del Toro. Of course, that's amazing. Well, yeah, and that was creepy, and I enjoyed that for you know a big budget kind of Hollywood film that was fantastic so but no jeepers creepers horrible pissed me off left the movie theater angry angry um refuse to rewatch it to this day i don't even want to know if my opinion has changed <laughs> i hated it that much when i first saw it so um that's the one that um i i curse the film that it was recorded on and as far as if I could find the original print and gold plate it kind of movie, it would be Tombstone. I love that movie so much. That's like, that's like my whoopee. If I'm sick or feeling bad <laughs> or insecure or just, you know, having kind of a meh day, if I put on Tombstone, I could quote that bitch forwards and backwards and I love it every time. Cry, laugh, throw my hands in the air and, you know, cheer kind of movie. Love it. I've seen her do it. It's great. Yep. And it's because of Several her <laughs> that I have that movie fucking memorized. Okay. Um, all the movies so utterly bad that I cursed the film on which it was recorded. The first movie that I ever walked out on, I want to just kill. <laughs> I want to kill it with fire and anthrax and urine and that movie is Robert Altman's Popeye <laughs> I understand that it's cool to like that movie because Robin <laughs> Williams and Shelley Duvall and I should like it because Paul Smith is in it and he plays Bluto and he was the red herring in Pieces, which is a movie that I have gone on record many times as absolutely loving. But my Pieces is fucking awesome. Pieces is one of my favorite movies ever, but fuck. Popeye? <laughs> f- 
Fuck no. Fucking Popeye is a piece of <laughs> shit. And I think it really has to do mostly with the with, with the songs. <laughs> where you have one Bluto sings the song I mean well no kidding we knew that and then Olive sings a song about Bluto called He's Large <laughs> He's Large I hate uh, I hate everybody I hate everybody involved with this goddamn movie He's Large well, you know, great. If you want to have James Dean in your film, that's a whole different movie. Or Dirk Diggler or John Holmes, that's a whole nother thing. Um, so, yeah, fuck Popeye in the ass. No lube. I hate it. Shoot it in the back of the head, execution style. Cut oh its God. throat and... Colombian necktie, that bitch. I hate it. Um, Don't hold back here. Huh? Don't hold back. Tell no, us how you no, really no, 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 no. I'm trying to restrain. Um, but the movie that I love, and I want to see gold-plated original negative, is Escape from New York. <laughs> I quote that movie more than I quote any other movie. I quote it more than I quote Ghost, Ghostbusters. I quote Ghostbusters a lot. I mean, you know, I'm one of those people that I can have an entire conversation with you where I'm quoting other movies, and a lot of people don't recognize this. But I have Escape from New York memorized, I would say, 98%. It's hard to stump me with an Escape from New York line. That movie is so much fun. To me, it is the ultimate action film. It is the ultimate anti-hero movie. Well, it's not the ultimate action film. That's Die Hard. But the ultimate... But the ultimate... Stop! I love Die Hard, too. But the ultimate anti-hero movie, more so than people who are trying really hard to be anti-heroes, that is Snake Plissken. So Escape from New York to me is one of the greatest movies ever made and I want I want cells from that on my wall. I want fucking pieces of the original negative. So yeah, I'm going with EFNY. Yeah. All right. All right. That's gonna about do it for us, I believe. Um <laughs> I'm about done as it is. <laughs> Make sure you visit the Kiss the Goat store and buy things from us. Because then we get money, and when we have money, our internet stays on. When our internet stays on, we don't have to record at the library, which is awesome, because the library won't let us drink. Fuck the library! <clears throat> and that's at our website, which is kissthegoat.weebly.com. Look for the Wear the Goat tab, get out ye old credit card or debit card, and fulfill all your personal dreams of goatness. We are on iTunes. And like every other podcast you listen to, we need reviews like Mars Needs Women. Angry Red Women. So next time you're dicking around your iTunes store, please take a few minutes to leave us a glowing five-star review. It gets us noticed, it increases our visibility, and it's great for our collective ego. So help us out, won't you? Say nice things about us so the whole world will see. <laughs> and as always, thanks to Jason and the Horrorphilia Network for making a way to get our voices into your ears. 
Please check out the other shows on the network. Easily some of the finest minds on the internet talking about horror and all of its aspects. Subscribe to the network for your podcast provider. Get them all. You'll be a horror expert in days. Finally, thanks to you, our listeners, for doing what you do. I firmly believe that we have the smartest, funniest, most willing to interact fans on the internet. And we love you guys. From a distance, of course. I mean, we, we might love a couple of you better if you were closer to us geographically, but that's strictly conjecture and either here or there. <laughs> that's it. Over, done with, gone. This circle is open. So until next time, I'm Cootie. My name is X. Fuck all, all Radio, X. Radio X. And Hell Satan. Well, of course, Hell Satan. But fuck those guys, too. Right. Stay strong, Nichols. TMHS for life. You know, the easiest way is to hang out at our Facebook group page, and that's at facebook.com slash groups slash kiss the goat. Cootie and I hang out there on the regular, and we're ready for questions. When we're, when we're uh, I forgot how to talk. Five, four, three. Evan threatens Latte with his long, greasy hair and his close proximity. This makes no sense. I wrote this completely wrong. <laughs> Shit. Give me a minute. Okay. <laughs> Five, four, three. When Returned we have. Things as seeings as how, seeing as how. <laughs> we should try that one again. Begun the scriptor has. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Right. Five, four, three. see. So Yet, <laughs> 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 <laughs>